Good evening, everybody, and thank you very much for calling into Let's Talk Low Vision with Dr. Bill, brought to you by the Council of Citizens with Low Vision International. This evening, I'm very, very pleased to inform all of you that we have a wonderful guest, Ms. Betty Homer, who will be talking to us about ways of handling our finances when we have low vision. I know that many of you have just finished your taxes and trying to do the bookkeeping, all this other type of organization can be difficult when we have low vision. And we're going to find out some different strategies that might be helpful for being prepared for taxes. Also, identifying your own currency, writing and signing checks, and just how to make things easier when we're paying for things as we shop. So welcome to the show, Betty. Thank you very, very much. Well, thank you for welcoming me. I don't know how um, how much information I'll be able to impart about your taxes, but um, I hope that whatever I can impart to you will be useful, and I believe in the www form of rehab, and that is whatever works, works. That's great. So I hope that's, that's <laughs> yes. kind of practical. <laughs> I think that is fantastic. Well, you, you, you come so very, very highly regarded, and the chapter you wrote in the book, Insights into Low Vision, has been very, very well received, so we thank you for that. Now, Betty, would you please uh, mind sharing with our audience a bit about yourself where are you from, and are you visually impaired or blind, and uh, what do you do right now? Um, originally, I'm from the New York City, and um, I had 20-20 vision until I was seven years old when my school teacher contacted my family and said I might must need eyeglasses because I couldn't read the blackboard. So my parents took me to the... Um, wherever, I guess, the ophthalmologist at that time. And the ophthalmologist said, no, this is not an eyeglass problem. There is something very strange going on here with your daughter. And nobody knew what it was. But um, at that time, I had no central vision. I had peripheral vision, but I hadn't learned to view eccentrically, you know, where you view outside the central part of your eye. So I can recall about a year of feeling that everything was black, and then I started to adjust, because children do, and I started to use the peripheral vision. And um, I was one of the very first children to be mainstreamed in the public school system in New York. Uh, I don't recommend it without any support services, but um, it taught me to be very resourceful. So... um, I went to, finally went to private school, and then I went to college, and um, my parents moved to New Jersey, and I was in the first class at Western Michigan University in blind rehabilitation, and foolishly, I, I left and got married before I got my degree, and I came to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and um, I had a family, and when I got to a point where... Um, I needed a little extra money. <laughs> I started looking for a job, and the only real training I had was in blind rehabilitation. And I found a job in Philadelphia at Associated Services for the Blind and Visually Impaired in the Center for Independent Living. And I continued to work there until I had my fourth child. And then I worked at Pennsylvania College of Optometry in the low vision service, the vision rehab service, for seven years. And I was a faculty instructor, an adjunct instructor, until I lost a considerable amount of vision and had to switch from print to speech on my computer and um, Braille. And um, then I went back to Associated Services for the Blind as the um, life skills educator, which sort of combines rehab teaching and um, support emotional support for adults who've lost their vision. Boy, you you really have touched all bases as it relates to vision impairment, from having 20-20 vision to having no central vision to then losing more of your vision 
later in life, and uh, now now you use Braille as well as text-to-speech. That's really, right. really right. very, very rare for someone to have the experience you have. Well, and I use a guide dog. I have a seeing eye dog, too. So, yeah, I guess um, I've been at just about every visual um, level possible, and so that makes me more... Um, knowledgeable about some of the simple solutions that help people return to being able to take care of everyday living tasks independently. Well, you know, Betty, I think that people such as you who have experienced so many different levels of vision, you're the best type of teacher to help a person who is visually impaired because you can better understand the feelings emotionally that your client is going through. Yeah, I think so. And also, I do, I do understand that for them, it's a devastating change in their life. And no, no pep talk is going to really make them feel better, but helping them to uh, perform a lot of tasks independently gives them some self-esteem. And handling your money is a very important aspect of adult life. It really, really is. And I know that in my experience of losing vision, the inability to easily identify your currency or to write a check quickly, it was something that brought a lot of stress for me because I was afraid that in the cashier's line, somebody might say, hurry up, what are you taking so long for? Or if I was writing out a check, they might say I'm taking too long. And so after learning a lot of these other techniques, it really has made it such that I can go shopping again and I feel comfortable. Um, how do you recommend that people who have very low vision and they cannot identify any numbers on currency, what are your suggested options for one to learn to identify currency when it comes to currency in the United States? Well, at this point in time, we have currency readers. They've been around since the 1980s, and initially they were about $400 and rather cumbersome, but they're now down to about $119. They're very small. Um, it's about maybe two and a half inches by an inch. I'm not very good at estimating it, but I carry it around in my wallet. So um, I have a like a puffy wallet, and I put it in there. And this way, if you're totally blind, or you're in, even a person with a reasonable amount of low vision can identify currency um, independently. It gives you an audible reading. It's easily operated, and right now, because our government hasn't made our United States currency accessible to individuals with visual impairments, um, anybody who is legally blind is eligible to receive a currency reader free of charge. That's fantastic. So, yeah, and that it's um, called the iBill, and it's um, a product of orbit research, um, the best way to get information about this is to call your uh, local library for the blind and physically handicapped and get a, the phone number, the 800 number, or the website. The website you can get information also is through the Bureau of Engraving and Printing. It started last September, and by December, people were receiving the currency readers through the mail and Patrons of the Library for the Blind and Physically Handicapped had no difficulty getting those currency readers. And then January 1st, um, <clears throat> they started the second phase of this program, and you have to complete a form. But if you're a library patron, that makes it easier to just check that box. So the government just wants to verify that you need it. And I don't think you have to be legally blind, but you have that is definitely one of the cutoff points. But even if you have a lot of low vision, I have always recommended that once you identify your currency, you should try to do that at home ahead of time. 
And I fold money, and I folded money even when I had um, considerably more vision since I was um, since 1980. Because when you're out and you're in a hurry and you feel like people are waiting behind you and you don't want to make a mistake and you certainly don't want to hold up your <laughs> fistful of bills and say, what is this? <laughs> if you fold the money, um, there's a system to fold it that you can identify it visually or tactily. And each uh, bill, usually you do singles flat. A five, you would fold in half so it's a square. A 10, you fold one more time, like in quarters. And a 20, you fold it in half and then down. And every one of them looks different. And you arrange it in your wallet by denominations. And you can, you can just pluck out your bill and be very confident that it, you're accurate. And that this I learned to do before we had the big, um, the big five and the big twenty and the big ten and the big fifty and the big hundred on the back side of the currency, and that's been very helpful for low vision people. Yeah, so I don't know if you have that much vision. Do you? As for me, Betty, I I am totally blind right now. Okay. I, I don't. So have then anything. I yeah. So you can understand that once you know that it's a 5 or a 10 or a 20 and you fold it, then, you know, that works for me and I guess it would work for you. But even a low vision person, not all of the conditions are effective for being able to identify the bills. And a lot of people have to bring the, maybe have to bring the bill up to their eye and um, they don't like to do that. I mean, I didn't mind doing it when I could see, but um, it does just speed up the process if you're organized. And if you don't want to fold money, you can have a bill fold with different compartments, and you can organize your bills by denominations in each compartment. Yes, I have seen those too. Those are very nice. Well, and what I often will do is I'll, I'll try to double-check my change, you know, like it's hold up the bill where they say this is two fives and, and a one, and I'll hold it up and say, you know, is this the one? Is this, and then everybody's just got to wait till I know what it is. Yeah. And I'll fold it immediately and put it back in the special place in my wallet. That is very, very good. And uh, again, with a combination of also having the currency reader in your wallet, that is making it very, very simple as well. Right. Well, I have to, to you know, say that it doesn't fit in my little flat wallet, but I have like a neck purse that will hold my um, transportation ID, my little um, my little wallet, and my currency reader, and my house keys. And that way, in the winter, I can keep it under my coat, and that's more secure. Oh, that's very good. So you could keep that little wallet around your neck, but underneath your jacket, so it, right. it's not dangling around and easily stolen. Right, and it's actually similar to a passport wallet that they make them that you can have. It has a adjustable cord, and um, locally we can buy them through our SEPTA transportation system. Now, Betty, what is your experience regarding anybody who was using the iPhone or an Android cell phone? where there are currency reading programs that you could buy and put it into your phone. Have you tried any of those? I haven't, but that's really because I'm chicken. Um, I have <laughs> a lot of clients who have them, and they love them. The iPhone and the Android smartphones have opened up an entirely new world of access to information instantly at your fingertips, like a sighted person, it's really an equalizer, and I recommend it. I really do. There's um, the free currency application. It's not as good as there's. One, I don't know the name of the one that costs about two dollars. That that apparently is more um, user friendly, and um, you can also have like color identifiers on your iPhone, and you can have access to your bank account. And now locally, uh, there's a way of paying um, your your bills in the store with your iPhone. That's new. I forget what they call that. 
Yes, that is becoming very, very popular. All of these ways of using your your cell phone to do it, it's, it's very, very accurate. It's very, very quick. And it gets convenient, too, if you do have one of these types of smartphones because you don't have to carry too many things with you. You exactly. simply carry your phone with you and you have what you need. And I I have been very, very pleased with the uh, currency reader for the iPhone where it's very, very quick. And it allows you to identify your currency very, very quickly. Right. Uh, have you also found a lot of my clients are using their iPhones to access their bank account? I have not used it to access my bank account. I know a lot of other people who are working with us at the Center for the Partially Sighted, they do use it to access their bank account. And I guess that I would say I'm still a little bit old-fashioned where I really want to make certain that everything is secure when there has been all of this discussion about Apple and all of these other large companies getting hacked and all of our personal information is out there, that makes me really uncomfortable. So I'm holding off a bit before I try to do some banking with my phone. I'm just like you. I agree with you. So some of the things I recommend is that when you try to find a bank, you want to get a bank that will provide certain basic services that will meet your need as either a low vision or a very, very low vision or a no vision customer. And um, a lot of banks have uh, large print statements. Um, They have online uh, statements as well if you don't want to use paper. And then if you're a computer person, you can have speech access or uh, print magnification software to enlarge it. Um, or a lot of telephone, uh, inform- a lot of telephone, um, touchtone telephones, and your iPhone, you can access your account that way. I I try to use my landline to access my bank account so that I feel more secure that somebody can't um, get that information, the you know my account numbers or my PIN number, and um, I get all of my statements over the telephone. I have print ones as well, but I put those in a folder. On the back of my folder, I have the Braille um, label. On the tab, I have a print label for the sighted members of my family to find it. And on the front, when I had more vision, I took a big marker and I would write, you know, whatever, PNC Bank. And I used to be able to push the folder back and see that. So that gives you um, a very easy way to to file your things. I file everything whenever possible immediately. And I have like my my electric company file. I have my gas company, water company, bank and credit card files all set up that way. Um, And then as the year goes by, I have a drawer and I have envelopes that either have Braille for me now, or big uh, letters, and I have business size envelopes that I put my receipts in when I get them, so I know this is medical, this is charity. So that's another way to organize your papers. And I also recommend, um, they have folders, brightly colored file folders, and they have brightly colored what I call pocket folders, so that you can color code your some of your important papers, and um, if you get a lighter color, bright color, you can take a marker and write on the front. Also, the pocket folders have pockets inside of them so that you can keep your papers from falling out when you're carrying them around. So I have um, a lot of very important documents going back way far back than I need, but every once in a while I do get rid of them and shred them. That's a fantastic idea because then as soon as you have a receipt, you could put it right into that folder and it keeps everything in order for you, doesn't it? Yes, it does. And um, naturally, I, uh, I I use my husband. 
So he has the he gets the envelopes and the folders, and he uses the software to do our taxes. So that's uh, something I've never had to do. Now, what about do you use the computer at all, Betty? Oh yeah, I do. Yeah. I I keep my um I keep my bank um, information in my computer, but I don't I don't use an Excel file or a database file. I just use a plain old-fashioned Word file. And what is the main reason that you find it easier just to use a, a Word file rather than the Excel spreadsheet? Um, because I have never learned how to use them. <laughs> and the Word files work for me, so I just haven't bothered. Now um, that I'm using JAWS, I'm learning more and more keystrokes so that I can move around more easily and effectively in the files, but I guess just because the old-fashioned just using a Word file works for me, that's what I do. Yes, you know, I think that's really a very, very smart recommendation. It's always nice to keep it simple because when you begin to go into the spreadsheets, you could create problems, uh, especially with these newer versions. They always say, this is the easiest version to use if you're using this latest version. And I think that the latest versions often try to do things automatically for you, and it gets a little bit more confusing. So I agree. I, I, I do things myself also using JAWS along with Microsoft Word. But if there yeah, are those, those are people... My, my solutions, too, but there are a lot of programs that are free to download, that have uh, print-enhancing software and also speech. There's free um, speech programs that um, are now available and make things a lot simpler, and most computers do come with their own built-in word processing uh, system. But because at work we use these other programs, it's just easier for me to stick with those. Yes. I know, as you were saying, um, for example, if a person has very low vision and needs the computer to talk to her or to him, if you do have a newer version of Microsoft Office, then you are able to get a free copy of Window Eyes, yes. which is a yes. very, very powerful program for free. Right. Well, if you if you're a Mac person, every every Apple product comes with the built-in accessibility, uh, speech and large print. Yes, and it's all included for free. Right. Yes, and it's it's not like you have to get it to um, to configure it so it'll work right. It's just it's designed to do that. But most um, businesses are still using non-Apple products. Yes. But I I feel that things are changing. We, we see that with so many of our patients who come to our clinic, they specifically ask for Macintosh products now, and, and they know, they say, I would like it to have voiceover because I would like my computer to speak for me. And, right. uh, you know, another great bit of information for all of you listening out there, if you do happen to purchase a Macintosh computer, for a fee of $99, they will give you weekly lessons. Every week, you could go to your Mac Apple Store, and they'll give you a, a free lesson for one hour, and they will go over anything that you're asking. So it's a very good way to become trained how to use the magnification or the voiceover on a Mac computer. I mean, just will fantastic. they do that with with any Apple product? Yes, they will. Because you know? yes, I have they will. an iPad Mini, and yes. um, I've had it embarrassingly. I've had it for a year, and I, I'm still not sure how to operate it. Effectively, a hundred dollars oh. would be wonderful to invest, and I can go get the lessons. Thanks for yes. telling me. Yes, it's it's a wonderful deal for one hundred dollars. I think it's it's really excellent, and I think that Apple is setting a a new trend, and the other companies are going to have to follow because Apple does have accessibility in in their products. Go ahead and go over the bill pane 
and 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 then we'll go into check writing. I don't know if okay. you still do need to, but uh, let's I go do. into the bill paying. Okay. Well, when you're paying your bills, I was going to mention that checks are a good way to pay your bills, and there are check writing guides, and there are also checks that are designed for people with low vision that have raised lines, um, as well as darker lines, and those are used to be called guideline checks. They've had a lot of names over the years, but I, I'm not quite sure what each bank is calling them. You have to contact your bank and request them. Depending on your bank account, you may or may not have to pay extra for them. Uh, last set that I got, I actually didn't have to pay for it, um, and that was nice because at the time it was about twenty nine ninety five for maybe um, 100 checks, and now I'm sure it's more expensive. So those are um, bigger, but they have the raised lines and the larger print, and a and lot of low vision people like them. Um, I preferred, when I had more vision and still do, I write checks using a standard check and a check writing guide. And you can get check writing guides that are very tactile, or you can get check writing guides that have very high contrast. Most of them are black, and so when you put the check in, under the guide, it has like cutouts, and you write in those spaces, and you can see the paper. So it's um, those are two of the choices that are very uh, useful. Some people actually can generate checks through their computer. There are programs to do that. Um, now, the other thing that you can do is a lot of banks, you can set up automatic bill payments. And um, bills that you paying every month, I know I pay my all my utility bills and my homeowner's insurance are removed directly from my checking account, and it just takes a little bit of paperwork to take care of that. So I don't have to worry about it. If it's due on the 18th of the month, the electronic transfer takes place on the 18th of the month, and it appears on my statement and also online statements or through the telephone. And that saves you writing the check, remembering um, <laughs> what it is, how much it is, and you don't have to have stamps and you don't have to address your envelope. But if you like to do it yourself, there are envelope guides that you can put over an envelope and write the addresses there. Um, you can also generate envelopes through your computer. I do that. And it's not that hard to print out an envelope. And I found that was easier as I lost vision than trying to remember. Now, let's see, how how am I going to orient the um, the printed top of my bill so that when I input it in, in the envelope, that opening, the, the address will be in the opening. So that's why I started to do automatic bill payment. But if you have enough vision, then that's not so difficult to do. Um, and some people also don't really trust the banks, but I've had a very, very good experience of just automatically paying things. Some people pay everything automatically through their credit card and then write one big check a, a month. So those are some of the ways. There are people who um, said they, go, they belong to credit unions and they're their banks provide better services than some of the more commercial banks. So those are some of the things that I do. And then when I write the check, I open up my Word file and I put in the amount and the check number, and um, that's how I keep track of it. And, and then I look on the phone to see if the check is cleared. So that's, that's pretty much the way I would do it. Um, I'm sure that... If you have 100 people, they'll all have some other little tip that will make it easier. I don't recommend paying cash or using money orders. And, and what's, your, what's your thoughts behind not using money orders? Because I know people who will use money orders. Uh, what is your reason for not using money orders? Well, um, locally, we're in Philadelphia. Um, there are some places where you can buy money orders very inexpensively, but they it's not really a guaranteed kind of backed-up money order like 
the United States Post Office. So if you're going to use a money order, I would recommend the United States Post Office because they they can track them. They're guaranteed. I've heard of some of these check cashing places where you're where things go um, astray, and you really you paid the money, but the money order is not going to be valid. And I haven't heard of that happening too often, but just only would have to happen to me once, and that'd be enough. That's and right. And there are also a number of uh, places in Philadelphia where they will only accept United States postal money orders because they they're a sure thing, or a ba- even a bank money order that some places won't take, but they will take a certified check. So that's my reason, and I think it's very dangerous to be walking around with a lot of money to pay your bills. Yes, yes. You know, years ago, I used to work at a grocery store, and we did sell money orders. We we sold money orders for, I think it was on the order of $5. I don't remember exactly, but it was about $5. And people would come in to purchase money orders to pay for their mortgage. And they have $1,000 of cash, you know, in their mm-hmm. pocket. And right. I said, did you did you walk here or drive here? He goes, no, I just live down the street, so I walk here. I said, you know, maybe you should get a checking account because that might be a little <laughs> exactly. safer than you walking around the streets with all this cash. You know, as as, as we probably have all experienced. Unfortunately, if we use a cane, sometimes we are a target and people feel it'll be easier for them to rob us because of our low vision. So Mm -hmm. a checking account is, I think, uh, safer. It's a lot safer, yes. And there are some guarantees with a checking account that, you know, you can hope that the bank will be a little stricter about cashing checks than, um, you know, I know if I wanted to cash a check in a bank that I didn't have an account with, I'd have to come up with a lot of identification. So that does yes. make it more secure, and you're not you have a record of your payment once your check clears. Um, and the other thing is that some banks have is they have telephone bill payment where you can actually uh, set up a bill payment system where you use the touch tone telephone. And you you punch in all your codes, and it pays the, exactly the account you have identified and the amount of money and the date you want it to be paid. And not all banks do that, but there are some banks that will also um, assist uh, visually impaired customers by um, sitting down in the bank with, with a customer and helping the customer write the checks from that bank and helping them pay their bills. And some have a telephone bill-paying system where you can actually set everything up and call up, and you have a PIN number, and a person talks to you and disperses your money to different um, vendors. That's less common, but it's every once in a while I find somebody who, who does that. Well, that's very nice, and I I have experienced, I I bank with Chase Bank, and I have found them to be extremely willing to help in any way, almost to the point where I said, I I have it, I'm fine, (laughs) I'm fine, I'm fine, but they want to all come and help and things, and, uh, you know, they're just very, very helpful. Now, Betty, what what is your opinion on the use of the ATM card or the debit card to purchase groceries or other things like that? I think they're terrific because you don't have to have cash. But most of those ATM cards, you have a choice of paying debit or credit. And debit means you have to put your PIN number into their the vendor system. And anybody could be watching you for any place with their cell phone and taking pictures of your card, and then they can see what numbers you punched in. So um, the Attorney General's Office in Pennsylvania has uh, recommended a number of safeguards for uh, customers, uh, regardless of whether they have uh, vision loss or they're older or they're disabled. And they recommend wherever possible to use credit. The money is removed from your account, so you're not 
suddenly faced with you, you've made purchases and they haven't been removed. They're deducted immediately, um, but you don't put your PIN number in and you sign your name. And this gives you a little more of a safeguard. Because somebody could take a picture of your card that you're not aware of, but they don't have your PIN number. So I think that gives you a little more uh, safety. It gives you a lot of flexibility, and you don't have to have a lot of cash. Um, it is harder, if you're visually impaired, though, to see what the balance is. You have to count on the cashier, and um, you have to keep your receipts. But it certainly is doable, and I have found that people have been honest. If they tell me that it's $19.95, that's what it is. And my receipt yes. says the same thing. So it gives you some safeguards. And when you uh, purchase something credit, if you can call the bank and actually dispute a um, a transaction if you feel it was um, in error, and that's another safeguard. That's a very, very excellent uh, explanation of that because I have been told many times to be very careful about using your debit card because of just what you said. People can find out what is your, your PIN number by watching you at that time. Mm -hmm. So if we just press credit, it'll it'll be much safer. Right. Wait, ben, I don't you, know you, if you have these point of service terminals are a little trickier for a visually impaired customer. You know, where you have like a, it's a terminal and it has a screen and you have to write your name when you sign for your credit. Have you seen those? I don't, I don't know if, I, if I'm familiar with that. Well, a lot of stores are using them. It's not, you don't sign your name on a paper. You sign it on the screen and then you can get a receipt. But sometimes it can be um, a little trickier to get that if you can't see to put the, the, Whatever it's like a stylus that you write with, and to put it in the right spot. But if you can, if you come across that, you can ask the cashier to print a paper, um, a paper bill for you that you can sign. You know, give you a paper transaction okay. instead of the the point of service. They don't like to because they some of them don't know how to do it, but they'll get a manager or supervisor to come over and do it. Oh, okay. Okay, yes, I do know what you're talking about. The Best Buy stores over here in Los Angeles has that. Yes, mm -hmm. there's a stylus, and uh, yes, I, I have had difficulty signing what I was supposed to sign on there. Right. But these these uh, tips and recommendations you have regarding money, bill paying, finances, these are some excellent tips. Are there any other tips and suggestions that you have before we open it up to questions from our audience, Betty? Well, the other thing that I would recommend is um, the with the currency, with the large numbers. If you're going to fold your bills like I do, I when I had more vision, I folded them so that um, the large number was visible, even though I had it folded so I could pull it out and double-check. And um, the other thing is, for some people, their um, their vision visual functioning may be that the the side of the front side of the bill with the with the um, that's got Washington or Lincoln on it, not the back side, but the front side doesn't have the larger numbers. But for some people, the contrast is better. So it's always good if you have low vision to look on both sides of a bill to see which side is actually easier for you to, to see the number. So that's my other tip. Okay, yes, I think that's very, very good. And I know that for myself, when I was at the last stages of still having some vision, I had many blind spots in my field of vision, and it was difficult for me to read the numbers. But it was easier for me to identify the face Mm -hmm. of who was on the bill, and I began to use that to identify the currency. So, as you say, there's many different ways we can do all of these things. Um, Betty, do you have time to answer a few questions from our audience? 
Sure. Okay, wonderful. All right, everybody. Uh, now is your chance that you may unmute your phone, and if you have any questions regarding bill paying, finances, any of those types of things, uh, just unmute your phone by pressing star six, and you may introduce yourself and ask Betty your question. Hello, Betty. This is Tom from Vermont. Have you ever used the, the new Apple Wallet? No, I haven't. I've heard about it. Can you it's, tell me it's about it? It's service. It comes on, I think, with a new operating system. I mm-hmm. did it. You put your credit card number in, in credit card information, and then as soon as something's paid, uh, my wife or I'll run the, the card, and all of a sudden my phone says, your bill of twenty three ninety five at Vermont Pub and Brewery has been accepted. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you know exactly, and then you can see an Apple Wallet, every bill that's paid, but you have confirmation immediately that when they ran the credit card through, it went in, came in, it's in your wallet, and what they said was in there is actually the charge. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds wonderful. And, Tom, that would be available if you have an iPhone or you have an iPhone. New operating system, yeah. It has it, Apple Wallet comes with it, along with Apple Bill Pay. That's the other one you were talking about. Mm-hmm. And if you yeah, that, have... it does sound great. You you have to be though. Um, you have to have an iPhone. It has to be an iPhone, correct? Right. Yeah. Would, which is good. It... I like I said, I'm chicken. <laughs> hey Tom, do you know would that work if um, you know Betty has the iPod? iPad Mini? Would that work on an iPad Mini? Or I do not know. That's what she needs to pay her $99 for. <laughs> <laughs> well, my yes. iPad Mini is um, it's not the newest iOS for Apple, so it might not work. You'll just have to check 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 with the Apple folks. and well, Remember, they finally... have an accessibility line that you could call, and they'll right. help you through things. And they have one, isn't it? Um, Apple Viz, or isn't there a, a website that you can get all this information? Oh, I'm I'm Apple on the Apple product? Viz, iPhone, and all of them. Yep. Right. Great, thank you, Tom. That's really really good information there. All right, next question for Betty. Nobody has a question. I would say the only problem is you can't hide any bills from your spouse. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't like this. Oh, you paid $100 for that dress? What? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Tom, one of my recommendations to newly wedded people is that they should always each have their own funding sources separate, and they won't fight over these little things like, you mean you bought a motorcycle for $2,000 or you bought a pair of shoes for how much? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I never knew that women's shoes could be more than $500. I was just so shocked at that. <laughs> well, not in my closet. There aren't any. <laughs> yes, that's right. Betty, may I ask, uh, what type of pen did you find to be most helpful for you to read your own writing when you were writing checks? Well, I I didn't use a 2020 pen to write checks. I used a ballpoint, a black ballpoint, because that gave me a lot of contrast because I used a standard check with a check writing guide or I used a an electronic magnification system. So I just found that the ballpoint um, pen, I guess they still sell them, so I guess people still use them, was easiest um, for me to get legible handwriting. But for something for me to read myself, I used the 2020 pen. Okay, yes. Uh Uh-huh. And I even had fatter markers, you know, big fat (laughs) uh, markers that I would go to, you know, an office supply place and 
and bye. Thank Betty, you. This, Betty, this is Tom from Wyoming. Hi, Tom. I have a question. When you're doing uh, your bill paying and you're writing checks, how do you do your ledger? You know, keep you know, keep yes. track of what you've written and this and that. I, I'm my vision is to the point now where I can't read my own writing. So, what kind of a system do you use to, you know, to to keep track of what you're doing? Well, um, there through the years I've done different things. Right now I use a computer and put it in okay. my Word program. But what I used to do when I had more vision is I found that you can purchase a large print check register. You okay. could even make one on the computer. Um, there's a company called the Big Print Company. Um, they have a website. They, make, they have large print check registers. Also, the mail order catalogs like MaxiAids and Independent Living Aids and LS&S. Usually you can get a large print check register. The lines are very dark. The page is eight and a half by 11. And the other thing that I did being kind of a cheapo is once I bought one, I photocopied the pages, punched holes in them, and put them in a three-hole binder, <laughs> and that I never had to buy another one again. But they have very dark lines and big spaces. Okay. All right. All right. But when you... Now that you can't see it all, you basically use your computer with your screen reader, and you made up your own ledger on Microsoft Word. Right. Okay. All right. So, I mean, it's just easy, and there it is, and it's always available. And if I need to find a check number or an amount, I can use um, find, you know, the command find. And I'll, you know, if I put in... uh, Guessworks, then it it'll go back. I only keep my ledger a year at a, a year at a time, so I start okay. a new one every year. Okay, all right. And you have better luck with Word than you do Excel, and I'm the same way. So. Well, yeah. I mean, I know that. You know, I also I could probably learn to be very good at Excel if I didn't wasn't working full time. You know, so. I find that I just don't want to invest the time of sitting and learning Excel, and I don't need to do it for work. I, I've learned enough commands in Excel to fill out my timesheet. That's important. Yeah. Okay. Right? <laughs> I understand. Okay, yep. thank you. Thank you very much. Sure. Betty, I, I, I laugh because, you know, you make everything to sound so simple, and this is the way that it should be. It should be simple. We don't have to make things more difficult for ourselves. We could do things in a simple way. This is just great. Thank you. Well, I hope that that's my philosophy, but believe me, when I get, finally, when my uh, dumb phone dies, I'll have to get an iPhone, and I'll be out there doing the, all the tap-tap C's and the color <laughs> identifying and the money identifying, but... Um, um, it's my de- my dumb phone is hanging in there, but it's not going to live much longer. So I'm going to have to learn how to use an iPhone. Well, again, I think that those folks at Apple really do have a great program where they will t- tutor you how to use these. And also within you know the the low vision community, there's a lot of people out there who are excellent. Uh, Tom. Uh, you know, from Vermont that you were speaking with earlier, he's he's very, very proficient in using the phones, too. And, yeah, but. obviously. Yes, he is. <laughs> and an iPhone has been an equalizer to visually impaired and blind people. It really it, has opened up. Yes, it really has. It really has. Okay, let's see. We have time for a couple more questions. Any other questions for Betty? Okay, any final question for Betty? Either I've been really good or really bad. (laughs) (laughs) You've been wonderful. Yes, was that Tom who had a question? Yeah, I was just going to say, do you do, I also do, uh, I was going to say the easiest way, but she'll she'll, she'll probably hit me, marry uh, a person that used to be a 
manager, the the account manager, and and that works a lot too. Yeah, wow, that does help. Yeah, and it's if you have um if your spouse is is not visually impaired, that does help. And my clients tell me that all the time. Well, you have somebody who'll read to you, and I say, well, I may have somebody who will read to me, but that doesn't mean that they will read to me instantaneously every minute of the day when I say, I want to know right this minute. <laughs> but that's what the iPhone will do for us. Now you just whip out your phone and you Google everything. Or you ask yes, Siri, you know, you yep. ask Siri to, to tell you something, and there it is. Where's a Wendy's near me? Well, I've got 15 locations that I think are very close to you. Right? Yes. But I'll tell you, those smartphones are great. The iPhone is what I use is great, but it won't make me a jug of iced tea like Tom's wife could make. Oh, yeah. Well, I make my own oh, jug of iced tea. Make your own jug of iced tea. There's the tea. There's the water. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, Betty, I just want to say, Betty, this this has been a wonderful interview with great information and uh if I may, I'd like to ask you back so we could talk about other things and learn more from you. Oh, sure. My pleasure. <laughs> and, Betty, may I may I ask you to share with our audience how they can get in touch with you, whether it's email or by telephone? Um, well, if you're an email person, um, I'm embarrassed to say that I use my husband's email. So the best thing is to... Email me at work. So as long as it's not anything racy, um, it won't be a problem. So um, B as in boy, Homer, H-O-M as in Mary, E-R, at A-S-B-A-S as in Sam, B as in boy, dot org. Then I read my own email. If I ever learn to use my iPad mini, I'm B-E-T-T-E-B, Homer, at gmail.com and uh, don't mind if you call me I'm in the phone book in Philadelphia 215-878-3559 fantastic and I also want to remind all of you that this program is being recorded by Mr. Dick Burden of Airs LA and it will be on the Airs LA website early next week at www. A-I-R-S-L-A.org, and also at the CCLVI website at www.cclvi.org. Well, again, Betty, it's been a real, real pleasure to interview you, to meet you. You're just a very, very kind and knowledgeable woman, and we hope to keep in touch so that you could continue to teach all of us. Well, uh, it be my pleasure, and I'm very honored to be able to um, participate in this program. Thanks so much. Thank you. Okay, everybody. Well, we hope to see you all next month when we bring you more about Let's Talk Low Vision. Good night, everybody. <laughs>